Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hi and welcome to Constructive Voices. I'm Steve Randall and I'm joined as always by Pete the Builder, Peter Finn. Hi Pete, we've got another great episode, haven't we? Yes, Steve, we have a great guest today. Great to be chatting to you again, but today we have David Hernandez and uh, David is an expert in the technological side of construction. He's the director of a company called Alecosoft, and um, he's based in the US, and he has a, a very interesting background in terms of he was a contractor on site and obviously had the knowledge that you would pick up on site, and then he's taken that into the technological side of construction. So really good conversation. I, I actually take the lead on this one, Steve, and I am the interviewer, and um, yeah, we had a really good conversation, and we discussed lots of different topics um, one of the, the topics is about schedule compression or program compression, as I would call it, which is basically if you have 20 weeks to do a job and then the client comes and says, hey, guys, guess what? We've 18 <laughs> weeks now to do the job. And, and that's how you can uh, make that work in, in lots of different ways. Obviously, it needs to work in terms of physically, logistically, can it happen? And it needs to be done safely. You know, is it possible to do that by, you know, maybe increasing manpower or, whatever aspect of construction can you overlap the trades and that type of stuff so we had a really cool discussion about that and i do have some experience on that as well so it was it was good to hear that i got some of some things right in in that area and uh, some things wrong but um then also while i had the opportunity of course i had to ask someone who is in the technical side of construction are the robots taking over you know i'm a bit fascinated by that so um we had a really good conversation about that and then david being from the us so I, I took the opportunity to ask him how are things over there how is his how is his pipeline in terms of work ahead and how does he see things going so really really cool conversation and um a really good guy so really really looking forward to hearing it all again okay well let's dive straight into the interview then and then we'll come back and have a chat great stuff steve chat then yeah, so my name is David Hernandez. I am the Managing Director of Alecosoft LLC, which is the U.S.-based entity of Aleco, which we create construction solutions. Uh, primarily in the U.S., it is uh, planning and scheduling software, but we're, we're looking to expand that offering in 2024. I always make sure I, I throw this part in there because, you know, first I am a father of seven boys, <laughs> so I, I do try to put that in there. And a recent grandfather, so that, that part is always the important part. I grew up in a construction family, and like most people who grew up in construction families, their parents try to push them away from it and go do white-collar stuff, like be a doctor and a lawyer and all that fun things. So I, I went the opposite route and decided to, to go into sales. So my career started in sales. I still found my way into construction, owned my own construction company for a few years here, and we we're Houston-based, uh, commercial and residential dissolved my partnership in 2018. And when I uh, dissolved that partnership, I thought I would retire and get to go have fun and fish. And my wife said, nope, go back, you're going back to work. So I was lucky enough to fall into construction tech, which really was, it was something that um, was intriguing to me because our, our construction company grew very quickly and we did not have proper resources in place and technology was one of them. And so I understood quickly the pains that the people, the, the companies suffer when they're going through growth or trying to manage complex projects without having the right tools. And so construction tech just absolutely made sense because I can still be a part of helping the industry that I love. I don't always have to wear the hard hat unless I'm visiting a client. 
but it still gets to impact the industry. And I think that that, that is the thing that, that gets me up every morning is that we can, um, you know, effectively impact uh, the industry projects, help people, you know, have better, uh, better project efficiency and just overall just safety, money, all that, all the fun stuff comes with that as well. So, um, so it's kind of, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Everything that I've done is, I think, has led me to this particular role with Lecosoft, where we have had a presence in the U.S. Um, since about 2016, primarily through reseller channel. Uh, we were a, a sales arm, basically from the U.K., but in 2021 formed an LLC, became our own business unit. Um, I joined last year as the managing director with the primary goal of growing our, our brand and, and footprint here in the U.S. and North America, I guess, because in Canada as well. Technology has advanced so much in all of our everyday lives, but in construction, it has dramatically changed as well in terms of not only the technology in how homes and our buildings work, but also how we construct and also the type of materials and the type of of expectations that our clients have now as well. So do you, do you want to de- delve into that a little bit more then from, from your side? Absolutely. So one of the things I love about the construction industry, and, you, and, and, I, and I've heard this a couple of times when it comes to technology, and it actually kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes when people say, well, construction was late to the adopting technology because they're not very, not very innovative. And that is absolutely, first of all, incorrect. I think construction is probably one of the most innovative industries out there. I do think that they were there was some slow to change, but I I think if you look at the roadmap of technology and construction, there was a early rush, 2015, 2016, maybe into 2017, 18, where construction companies were buying technology just because they thought it was going to solve problems. There was you still have your you still have your your your, your old school guys that were, were didn't want to change. Well, I think today what we have is technology fatigue because there were a lot of solutions that were put into place that maybe didn't fit that wasn't they weren't sold properly they were sold as a, a product offering versus solutions and so i th- i think for for me the the way that the, the industry has switched you have construction companies who have gotten savvy which is really good they're hiring directors of technology and innovation to kind of help protect who comes through the door so i think that 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 allows companies who are really trying to do it correctly when i say do it correctly you know, I, I talked to my team and, and, you know, we talked to the leadership team across the organization. We need to be problem solvers. You can take a paper process and digitize it all day long, but if it's still a bad process, just because you digitize it doesn't make it good. So what we, we really try to do is, number one, listen to our, our clientele and our customer base. And we're, you know, we, we talk to them, we're kind of, we're big enough to deliver, but small enough to pivot. And so, Listening to our customers and, de- and developing things within our ecosystem that they truly need versus things that we think they need, and when we position our products, we're not posi- we're not we're, we're trying not to throw a product on them. We we want to dig like let's find out what the the problem is. It's kind of that that five why you know methodology. We're like let's okay, I understand that, but why is that happening? And then you kind of just dig, dig down, and when you finally find the problem. If our solution solves that, fantastic. If not, the worst thing that we, we do is we've walked away either educating ourselves or educating our customers or both. Or, and I think that that is something that's, that does get lost. Um, I'm not saying that other technology companies don't do that. Um, I think construction technology companies are getting a little smarter where they're hiring construction professionals to kind of come in and either be on the business development or the sales team. I think that's an absolutely brilliant strategy. 
You need people who understand the industry, the, the problems that they deal with. But I, th- I also think that the technology piece needs to fit the process. And, and I think that at the end of the day, when we, if we're kind of moving that, that needle, we, we need to help be the experts as well and helping our, helping our clients say, okay, you've done it this way for the last 10 years. Is that efficient? If it is, is there some things that we can help tweak and then kind of build and kind of design our, our, our software um, roadmap around that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think another thing that, that people don't really consider when they talk about construction technology is got to remember that every construction company is a business and there's obviously different areas to that business. So there's the on-site uh, stuff that needs to be done. There's then the scheduling mm-hmm. stuff that needs to be done, safety, and then there's just your invoicing and your your day-to-day business end of things as well. So if any one of those areas are not in tandem with the other area, you know, it, it results in, in problems and sometimes even complete failure. So I think from what I can see, you know, the, the, the technology tools that have come out now are helping a lot of of construction companies and the, the business side of, of, of the construction company streamline itself so that the information is is being spread to the, the necessary people very quickly. The way construction has gone now with records and you know ensuring that we build quickly, but we build safely and, and obviously that we were, were able to store the, the correct information and, and hand it back over to people as they need it as well so there's, there's so much to this this subject i know it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a very broad subject so if, if you don't mind just delving in a little bit deeper then into what you guys do in uh Lecosoft and uh, kind of maybe go into one or two of the tools that you have and and give us a bit more information on those i know from a bit of research i've done that schedule compression is one aspect but um, it, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes maybe if you if you talk about some of the other tools that you have so LegalSoft um, has a wide variety of, of offerings um, that kind of service the, the, the built environment in, as a whole. Um, in the U.S., our, our primary uh, product that we, we, we're selling currently, the, the industry knows it is Asta. It, it was Asta Power Project, but we have, we've, we've added a few um, solutions under that umbrella. Um, and it's CPMs, scheduling and planning, right, and, and, and critical path method. What we've found is we have most what most companies are finding right is you have all of this data and information how to how how do what do I do with it so we have packaged our power project our scheduling solution with a single source cloud solution that allows that first of all document document management and being able to kind of grab that data and then deliver that into some active some active and actionable business intelligence because if we can help deliver data based around you know their their actual information there's some value in that within that we've got some pretty cool pretty cool solutions and one of the things i talk about our 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 product is it's i think probably one of our best features is it's scalable you can be a single custom home builder and i build you know three or four of these over a year or you can be a mega project general contractor where you're doing nothing but two billion and up, you know, very complex projects. And our, our solutions fit all of that. The other the other piece of that is we have some integrated 4D that is really, 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 really cool. And we don't do a good job, I think, of talking about that enough. We we had a really large customer of ours that kind of flipped the industry on its head a little bit 
And so the Active 40 name came from this particular customer because they they learned to start with the model, then then go to the schedule, which the industry, as you know, you're coming from the industry, is they start with the 2D plans and then they kind of do that. And maybe they send it off to VDC to get the model built. What they what they found, and this company was Simic. I mean, they've, they've, they've given us permission to, to share their name. What Simic found was they were having a hard time sometimes scheduling complex projects off of 2D because they, you know, you just can't see it. And even if you can see it, if we're if you and I are sitting in a planning meeting, you might see something completely different than I do in my head, and then it becomes you know difficult. But if I can see the same thing that you're seeing now, the collaboration really becomes pretty cool. So our Active 4D. The idea was, if I could take that IFC model, which is rich with data, bring it into ASTA, let ASTA then break that down, it then creates a schedule. And that is, you know, when you see that in real time, it's actually, it's actually, it's a, it's a pretty neat process. So Simic, one of their, one, a particular project that this actually was very effective was, they had a, they had a very complex project that was going to go, um, it was a bridge project, but the project was most of it was underwater, so they were having a hard time figuring out how this how this process was going to work. They couldn't schedule it out. They were able to get the model from the client. The schedule team who was struggling on how to schedule this, the head the the head scheduler took it home on, on a Friday. By Sunday afternoon, had a fully developed schedule. The client was expecting this project to run twelve months. After they ran the model, put it into the software, you know, spit out a schedule ran all the risk analysis, did everything. It came out that it was actually an 18-month project. So they met with the client. They said, do you see any where we're wrong? They said, nope. So basically, this they were able to save their client six months of change orders. Obviously, that was, uh, you know, that could have been very costly on both parts. All because they were able to just take something that already existed, put it into a software tool, and and, and position them for success. That is a... You know, so that 40, that 40 piece is probably one that I would put as one of our top functionalities within our, our software. Very good. Um, I find it very interesting uh, what you said there because um, anyone that's listening to this podcast will know program is, is so important and scheduling is so important on any construction project. And, you know, I, I was given this advice or this this. Uh, I suppose you'd, you'd call it a statement uh, a long time ago, and that's basically that you, you live and die by your program. And basically, <laughs> the project is either a success or a failure based off how pro- programming and scheduling goes. And there's nothing worse, there's no worse feeling than being in a project and you're looking at your program going, we're after telling the client, the architect, everybody involved here that this is going to be done in 12 months. And then in reality, it takes 18 months and then you're straight away, you're into battling, you know, QSs are starting to battle and everybody is 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 kind of on the defensive. Whereas uh, I, I always try my best now and I, and I always try and advise people to manage the expectations um, by giving a realistic schedule time and budget is the same. Try and be realistic with your budget rather than telling your client that the, 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 the program is shorter than it realistically is going to be or obviously the budget is lower than what it's going to be because all it leads to is problems in the in the future and then that costs everybody money and stress and time. So another thing there that you had that we did mention was schedule compression. So I'm really interested to hear about this because I've been in, involved in, in some projects where uh, you know, we would have had maybe, uh, let's call it an eight-month program of time. And it's usually in commercial situations where 
there's a building that has been closed and needs to open up again by a certain time and then the client come back comes back and goes okay we've made a new deal with a certain client and we need to be open in six months and then it it, it, it causes a lot of uh, head scratching and a lot a lot of work in the background to to make sure that that that, that works so would you like to talk that through yourself there and, and let us know how you guys can can help that or, or your experience in this situation sure so i know that i mean you know that scenario that you just gave out never happens in construction i'm sure that's hypothetical <laughs> like everybody well, <laughs> well not only that it's it's um you know when you when everything's going well it's always well can we do this a little faster you know inevitably the problem with that if it's not well if it's not well planned things go wrong so i think what's the idea around schedule compression is it's, it's kind of a controlled uh, methodology. So the 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 term schedule compression, you know, is used you know throughout the industry. But the, the, our software it's not actually like a schedule compression button. It, it, it's just it's just a methodology. It, and part of that it comes from a couple couple places. One, being able to manage manage a project that has logic, you know, a software that has the logic in it to kind of say, yes, you can do that, or no. It, if you do that, it's not going to happen. Being able to manage things that you could run parallel that could speed up the process. Our, our software quickly identifies, you know, yep, we could do that. Nope, it's not going to happen. And so I think being able, first of all, to see what um, what type of risk you would run into by trying to do that methodology is important, the visibility. The collaborative piece, you know, the communication, you know, and if you've ever, and I'm sure you've been involved in, you know, this from, from what it sounds like from your experience. So it's very, very tough to try to, try to, you know, kind of rope that in on a project in the middle of a project. So I think, you know, you, you, you typically have that conversation up front. Typically it's going to be a team that maybe you're familiar with, or at least the majority of the team you're familiar with. But I think the communication and collaboration piece is, is, is key. Yeah. And so you have to have tools and not just, you know, not just a scheduling tool, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm biased to towards, but it has to be multiple things that you can all easily have access to visibility into there's, there's transparency and, and accountability. I think all of that kind of comes into play. And so where we are able to, um, to provide that from a company perspective, our, our tools are designed for that. So you have the collaboration that where I can, you and I can work on the same tool at any given time. We don't even have to be in the same location. Um, I mentioned their data and analytics to be able to quickly have a snapshot of how things are going, identify things that are going really well, really well, things that are going, you know, not so well. If I'm going to fast track this project or if I want to, you know, throw additional resources at it at whatever methodology we're going, I have to be able to manage that resource. So the resource management um, functionality that we provide is very robust. There's also a cost factor. You don't want to get to a point where you're trying to do schedule compression at the expense of you know diminishing returns. If you just you're just throwing a bunch of bodies at it and it's not your 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 labor costs and everything else is so expensive that you're really just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. But if you can't see that, if you're just managing that on Excel, if you're managing that you know paper or even through an ERP system, sometimes it's is very tough. So the visibility piece, I, I think when you talk about schedule compression is where we really, really begin to help our, our clients. But it also comes back to the one of my, my original conversation was we're, we're trying to partner with them in that journey. So, you know, we have 
not only not only onboarding new customers, but existing customer bases. Our professional services team consists of many industry experts. And if they're not industry experts, they've been doing this for a long time and they've set in multiple meetings with our clients on site, learning from them. So they they bring real world experience and can help companies if they're super experienced in it, they can add some, they can add some value. And if they're not experienced in it, they can help add some value. So it is it is beyond more than just the software. Except, you know, I you know, I love I love talking about the software. It's how we make our money. But at the end of the day, if our if our true passion and our why is to help the industry, to me it's it's irrelevant about the software. It's first it starts with us helping the you know, our clientele, the prospects, whoever it is we're talking. Do you understand this process? Have y'all covered the complexities? Here's where we can help the most, and that 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 conversation is uh, is key in my in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, when it comes to different tools and different products, yes, uh, it's it's good to know they're out there. But at the end of the day, you know, um, it's about you know ensuring that everything else backs that up and that the uh, the information flow is correct and and obviously that the company is ready to to do. What's required or the whole trying to compress uh, a program becomes counterproductive and actually kind of can cost you more money and then can also create a lot of problems on site with maybe trade crossover and stuff like that happening at the at, you know yes. at the wrong times. So maybe just a, a quick chat then again. Let's talk about let's stick on the technology side of things. How, how far do you think this is going to go? Um, we we often get. Uh, you know, people talking about robots taking over and, and stuff like that. And there's no doubt about it. We've seen some huge advances in, in certain aspects of construction with AI and robotics um, and in, in in the way we schedule and do everything else. So, you know, what do, where do you think um, technology is going in the next sort of 10 years, let's say, and, and maybe even a bit further um, from what you can see and, and, and what you're involved in at this moment in time? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a, I love, actually love, this topic and I, I joke AI may take over one day, but you know, let's, let's figure out a way to, you know, utilize it as, you know, help us make as much money and be profitable as possible. And, you know, and I, I say that in jest, but I know AI is obviously the, the big topic, you know, and AI has been around for a while. Now it's really, it's really heavily moved into construction. We we've actually you know recently hired a head of um, head of head of data science because AI is on our roadmap. Um, we actually just, Recently had a, um, a, a press release, I think it might have been yesterday, actually, partnering with companies like Nodes and Links out of the UK, which is um, very AI driven uh, business intelligence and data. For me, I think the value of AI, first and foremost, is data. I, I think in the construction industry, there's so much human element that is needed. AI is just another tool to me. It is it's moving from the the handsaw to the skill saw, and you know, and it's you know, and moving from tools that we already do have access to, like business intelligence, and and just kind of putting it a little more, giving some automation behind it. But if you could look in the future as a project manager and your data that you have that your your team is putting in, and you can see. I mean, we already, they, most companies are already doing this. They're doing three, four, five week look aheads. And the reason they're doing that is they're trying to mitigate any problems that might arise. If you have a tool like AI that could analyze not only your data, but industry, industry trends, historical data from what you've done on past projects, maybe some, some historical data from subcontractors that you use on how they performed. And so you have performance and predictive analytics. To me, that is the piece that I think could be really transformative for the industry that I can walk in my office on a Monday morning, 
says, good morning, David. Your projects are really, really, really great. However, in three weeks or four weeks, you're going to run into this, this, and this. You need, but if you do this, this, and this, we can mitigate that. That's where I think the power of AI is. You're seeing it pop up more and more. I think it's understanding what it is first, right? And it's, so I, I, for those, I guess my, my, my conversation will be for those, for those that are looking at it, understand what it is before you, you know, before you implement it. Obviously, if somebody's trying to sell you a tool with AI, they, they should help explain it. But I am always a fan of doing my own homework. Look at, um, you know, what it's done for other industries. I don't anticipate it in the in the construction space replacing us. We already have robots on job sites, right? We, they're already taking, you know, they're using, we're using drones. We're using, uh, I know there's softwares out there that, you know, they can map real-time job sites and they're using robots to kind of do that, which is pretty cool. That is now freeing up a superintendent who would have to kind of walk around, give some notes and send it back to his PM. So how much more productive is that superintendent being on a job site? Those are the things that I try to look at as opposed, you know, I'm definitely a glass half full guy. So if I can, if I can give more free time to my skilled, my skilled labor to be more productive and free them up from like the, the little stuff that probably drives them crazy anyway, I bet there's some value in that. And I think that's where I think AI is going to come. I think there's some other, you know, obviously we already have, um, you know, a lot of the IOT stuff with, you know, especially they're doing it in sports, they kind of brought it over to construction. I, I understand. I, I have a lot of old school friends in the industry. They feel like they're being tracked and being told they have to take a break. But if we're talking about safety in the industry and we want our, our, our people to go home, I don't see any harm in making sure that we're truly loving and taking care of our people. And I think that's really all it's doing. But again, that comes back to now, if we're if we are monitoring and making sure that our teams are taking breaks and doing things they need to be doing, we we need to be we need to be managing that project very efficiently because the because the, the waste and downtime is probably you know very minimal when you when you're doing that. So yeah, but that's a subject I think is you know it, it could go so many different ways. I'm a fan. Um, I'm a fan of it being done properly. And I think that the only way that that is done properly is to continue to talk to industry experts, talk to your customers, you know, and, and figure out how we can, uh, you know, best best utilize the tool. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, whenever change comes in, you, you will always get a certain amount of pushback, no matter what it is that you're bringing in. And then, you know, once people begin to understand that it's not going to take over their job or it's not going to, you know, completely change their lifestyle or yeah. affect them, economically especially you know usually people will buy in and uh understand then that the 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 new technologies and the ai or robotics or whatever it may be um are, are there to benefit and, and there to, to to help not to to take over or to uh to monitor them in, in, a, in a negative way and um, i also think you made a great point there as well you know in construction and in every industry as well there's always going to be need for human input because Absolutely. there's no way of, of tracking some things like, you know, AI is not going to know if, if, you know, a certain amount of subcontractors just simply didn't turn in on the day. Yeah. Unless, you know, there's a very, very high uh, number of, of, of checks put in place for that. So, you know, that's the type of, of human stuff and, you know, materials, deliveries, all of these type of things you can monitor. But sometimes it gets to the point where 
it costs so much to monitor to feed back into a system that it's it becomes counterproductive um but yeah look there's there's lots of lots of exciting new ai and robotics and and all all, all forms of technology on 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 sites at the moment and and currently obviously being developed to, to make them more user user friendly and more mainstream as well because at the moment you kind of only see uh, them being used in sort of isolated situations i don't think um, I think more what, what what you've been talking about earlier on about the data input, that's, I think, making its way into mainstream companies quicker because, you know, I think you can see the benefits of that from a, from an end user very quickly. It makes you more organized. And, and obviously the other aspects, there's quite an investment into them. So, you, you know, you have to be careful about investing into something unless you're sure you're going to get the return on it. Um, right. just, just then, like uh, two more questions. One of them will be... Um, in terms of the industry itself, I know that you're US based, and but you do work, um, you know, with the UK in particular and and uh, Australia and lots of other areas as well. How are, how do you see things at the moment in terms of? Do you have a lot of work in the pipeline? Do you, do you feel that we we still have you know plenty of of good times ahead, um, or are we are we you know maybe maybe coming coming to a peak and and we're going to plateau for a while? What's your what's your general thoughts on that? Back to my, my glass half full guy. Uh, <laughs> I am the I am the eternal optimist, but I I do do my homework and I pay attention. I think that one of the things I love about the construction industry, if you look at any past, you know, whether it's a, a recession or downtime or even COVID, right? I mean, so, I mean, COVID was dramatic for a lot of businesses, but construction still thrived. It is a business that I think is built to continue to probably fight through anything. And what I think what's actually what's happened. Um, so I've had several friends who, who own businesses, large businesses, very good friend of mine who owned a very large general contractor business here in the, in the Houston area. Um, it is peak was, you know, around 250, 300 million um, in turnover, very large uh, backlog of work and had a recession. I had to lay off quite a few people, but they were able to, you know, to maintain work, you know, he's probably operating, I think I want to say 60, 70 million now. And he will tell you that his staff is, they're, they're happy. He's, he's doing really, really well. They've learned to operate very efficiently. You know, when you start to kind of get to, you know, become that, that monster, you have to keep feeding the monster. But I think what, if what some of these situations have, have created is it is opening the door for, to, for tools like AI and tools like, you know, our softwares and other softwares it helps them be a more efficient operation, you know, with, and I don't want to say less bodies because, you, you know, you don't, it's not about letting people go, but if you already are kind of like running thin, you're like, how do we, how do we scale up? Maybe hiring isn't the, isn't necessarily that the, the right strategy at first. Maybe it's implementing tools that allow the team that you already have to operate at, at a little bit higher bandwidth, be more efficient. Then, is, then once they get to, you know, you know, 95% bandwidth and they're about to overflow, then you start looking at the hiring process. So I, I think the industry itself is very healthy. I think if you look at all projection models, growth is in growth is in the stars, you know, but, uh, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do three, four years from now, it's, you know, sometimes it's guesswork. Uh, but I, I, I think the industry is really, really well. Obviously, we've gone through a very unique set of circumstances in the last few years with COVID, inflation, and also the cost of material spikes that have happened as well. So I think the, you, you said it quite well there. We're very robust in the construction industry, and we certainly champion that here in Constructive Voices. We, we are very reactive um, and proactive to to 
um, make sure that we adapt to whatever the circumstances are in front of us. And definitely when it came to COVID um, and the pandemic in general, I think the construction industry uh, really did step up to the mark and, and was able to continue on in a safe way, which was which was brilliant. And it, it certainly was one of the, the industries that encouraged everybody to get back to normal as, as quickly as we possibly could. So I suppose then just one last question. Um, in, in Constructive Voices, we are very conscious of the, the climate change situation and um, I suppose the... The, the environmental battle that we have got going on um, globally. What, what's your general thoughts on that? And again, from a technology point of view, is this something that has been taken you know, absolutely seriously now? Or is it something that is still a conversation or a debate that is happening? You know, um, what, what's your general, general thoughts from what you've seen and, and, and experienced um, over the last period of time when it comes to the, the very important climate change battle that we've got going on so that's a you know it's one of those those topics that uh people have very very differing opinions on right so i live in the energy capital of the world here in houston texas but i i'm very familiar with a lot of the industry that's here and so i'm I, like i said i have seven boys and a grandson so i'm very 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 concerned to make sure that the, that we live in a, a state that it's not polluted so I know the industry here, you know, especially the oil and gas industry, they're very, they, they were, they were doing carbon capture before carbon capture was a cool thing to do. So I think they kind of set some of the standards that, that we're seeing in other industries. And I, you know, construction is one of those animals where it's like, we love the, the, the space, but construction comes with growth and with growth, sometimes that means we, you know, we are, we're expanding out. So I, I think we have to do it responsibly and, and, and look at, you know, Again, back to the back to the impacts. So I, I know we we have several customers in the U.S. who you know they'll they'll yes they're they're construction companies that they love building they're going to continue to do that, but they're very conscious about making sure they're involved in you know doing maybe a replanting. It's like okay if we're gonna if we're gonna develop this piece of land, can we go donate and plant you know a thousand trees that we just the, the, the trees that we just we just destroyed. So I think in that part of it, I think there's a responsibility that we've got to be. We've got to be good. We've got to be very conscious about. I like that objective. I think as a corporation for us, for Lecosoft, we're very conscious. I mean, even to the point now where I, you know, we're, you know, for, for me here in the U.S., for example, most of my team is remote. My sales team, um, they travel to customers. So na- nationally, we try to be responsible. Like, is it really, does it really make sense for us to jump on a plane every, every week to go seek these clients? Can it be done virtually? Um, obviously there are times when we can't avoid that. So, so, you know, we, we try to be, we try to be conscious about that. The other side of it is it's, I think you've got to still operate, still operate without fear, but I, I think there's a responsibility. So I don't know if that, that's kind of vague, I, I, but I, I, it's one of these areas that I'm, I think I would say I'm very I'm concerned about and it's on my radar, especially as an executive, but it's not something that I think I, I, I'm, I fear um, for my children. As long as, like I said, I live in a, I live in a you know state that is very conscious about that. I work in an industry that I believe most of the companies we deal with um, have their eye on it and are responsible. And I think those that aren't responsible, I think it's it's okay to have that conversation as well. I try to really tiptoe around that one, get me in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think you're just giving your honest opinion there. Yeah, again, look, totally agree with you. It's a subject that is certainly um, a volatile one in lots of different ways, and and it's certainly people do get a uh, quite worked up on on both sides of the fences. But um, I, I definitely 
would would take from your answer there that people are very conscious of it now and it's certainly something that's on everybody's agenda now and it doesn't dominate their agenda completely but it's certainly something that they're aware of and conscious of And and i think that's fair enough and i think you know that shows that there's a lot of movement in the right direction is is there enough movement in the right direction maybe not yet but we're, we're certainly going in the, in the in the right way um david it's been an, an absolute pleasure to talk to you is there anything else that you would like to discuss or, or or mention before we wrap up um i think it's been an excellent conversation so far and i really do appreciate your insight into some of the excellent uh aspects that we, we discussed today so is there anything else you'd like to mention first of all Thank you guys for having me on. I love having conversations, especially like I said, about things I love, like you know the, the industry. But it's just it's always good to 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 learn from other people. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you know, you having me. Hopefully, I provided a little bit of some type of nuggets for for your listeners to to grab from. But Absolutely. I think you know at the end of the day, we're all we're all in this together, right? And it's about um, you know how can we help each other, regardless whether it's buying something from a company i i, I think just it's all about learning from each other so definitely appreciate you guys having me on great stuff david and would you just like to wrap up by just letting people know where they could uh, check out your company absolutely so probably the best um best source of information is the website that's uh, so that would be alicosoft that's e-l-e-c-o-s-o-f-t.com obviously there's webinars there's a lot of information on there and then uh, there's there's ways to contact our team via our website um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. I, I, I try to try to post non-sell stuff. I try to try to post you know informational um, stuff around the industry, and then we obviously have an Alico LinkedIn page as well. This is Constructive Voices. So, Pete. I mean, always good to get so many different perspectives on this podcast about different areas of construction and not just areas in so much as, you know, technology or talent or, you know, those those different areas, but actually geographical areas as well. And I I think you covered those off really, really well with David there. Yeah, um, myself being a a humble builder from from the Emerald Oil of Ireland and uh, speaking to a technical guy from the US it was a it was a great conversation and uh, being honest with you I really enjoyed it um, I, I really learned a lot as well about how the the products um, that Alecosoft and, and other companies that do similar types of programming products and, and scheduling uh, products can really help accelerate work on site can make sure that you're ultra organized can you know detect where crossover and trades will work or won't work um, you know, so lots of really interesting uh, stuff there. Good to hear that the robots aren't quite taking over just yet, as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, uh, it, it's good to to hear somebody who's so deeply involved in the technological side of things, um, still have faith that us humans still have a role to play, and that uh, we're, we're we still have a long way to go before the AI gets to where it needs to be um, or, or gets to where maybe people's fears are. I, I, I personally got a lot of satisfaction now hearing that. Yeah, and j- just to get your sort of perspective, obviously you've been in construction for many, many years and as we've talked about on this podcast, you work with lots of different people from apprentices just coming in to those who have been in the business for, for many, many decades. Um, and what, what's the sort of perspective that you have of people on the ground, so on site, as to how they view technology and how it's changing. Do they see it as a net positive or a net negative? It's very obvious that pretty much every human in, in, on the planet has become 
more technologically advanced whether we like it or not i find it really helpful in work that i can take a photograph of something i can then even use my my finger to to draw an arrow and point at something and and then send it to somebody going this is the location that you need to fix something or something along those lines let's say we've got an underfloor heating screed to be poured i will get the foreman or i'll do it myself on site i'll walk around and i'll literally do a video recording of each floor of the building before the, uh, the screed is powered and therefore if we have a problem a few months or weeks down the line we can just take the video out and have a look and go oh there is a pipe there we can't drill in that location that that type of stuff has really helped a lot and that's the kind of simple end of things then then you can you know go to the much more advanced stuff like what myself and david did did discuss there where the whole pre-planning of construction now can be done pretty much to a t and like you know time is money it's an old saying but it's certainly um, something that is more and more relevant day by day and pretty much projects can live or die by how quickly they are, are done if you can get done ahead of program you know most likely that means you're on budget or possibly even you know in profit and the longer a job goes on most likely the more costly it's going to be and therefore people are losing money which is obviously a bad thing or it's costing a client more money technology absolutely has advanced construction in lots of different ways I, I would also say that it's made sites much safer and it's made sites much more organized than they were when i first started there's a new generation of people coming through you know so they they've been reared on the modern day technology so laptops are absolutely something that they were would have been used to right from the start and now mobile phones we've all seen the, the young whizzes how quickly they can send texts and you know book a table at a dinner table or something like that i'm like how did you do that so quick you barely had the phone in your hand but that's the level that uh people who who have grown up with, with a phone in their hands are at and um i think that transfers then into the technology when it comes to construction as well they're very quick to catch on even the tools the accuracy of tools and you can pretty much you know link your tools with some programs and um, you know cnc machines when it comes to joinery these are kind of sort of small robotic uh, influences that are coming into our lives but bluetooth tools can speak to each other can pass information to each other so you know an awful lot of positive stuff i am a little bit of a dinosaur it takes me a bit a bit of time to to get my head around it but once i've got my head around it i can usually catch on to it fairly quickly but i still do always have that little bit of fear of going oh another new thing to learn is it really going to be worth my while and then two days later i'm going oh my god this is the best thing i ever did you know so it's a uh, still a bit of that going on but i, I would absolutely say that um, at this moment in time, technology is a huge advancement in terms of the organization side of, of construction. I don't feel that we're we're going to be at the mainstream in construction where robots are coming in and doing a dramatic amount of work for a considerable period of time, simply because those type of, of equipment are just too expensive at this moment in time to, to be realistic for, for different levels of construction. But it is coming and it is certainly being tested and, and, and there are certainly changes ahead of us. And, and some of them for the better, like, I mean, again, I, I, I discussed it with, with David there as well about, you know, being able to send in a robot or, or a device that can measure a very confined or enclosed space in a very safe way. Even even at the basic levels, you, you know, there's there's ways of measuring and ways of 
of um, viewing these type of spaces now without having to put someone in danger or put someone into a, a very enclosed and difficult situation. So a lot of positives. And uh, yes, it is being becoming more acceptable. I think obviously as the years go on, the, the newer generations that come through are, are, are growing up with this. So it, they will obviously make it more and more acceptable as time goes on. And the cost is not as high as it used to be. So lots of stuff going in the right direction. But uh, as David said there, I don't think we have to fear yet. Um, I can't see robots with hard hats going around for a while yet, you know. Uh, I, I think, unfortunately, uh, Pete, you know, robots, AI are going to replace me and you doing this podcast before they, <laughs> before they replace people on site. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Another really good thing out of the discussion was as well, Dave gave us an insight into where where he sees the US economy at the moment and the market. Now, look, it's a huge country and I know different areas within the same country can have different levels of economy scale, but I definitely uh, got a positive vibe from from David. And I think, look, we've spoken about this before on Constructive Voices. There is a global demand for housing. There's a global demand for improving our energy efficiency and, and how we build our homes and how our homes and our buildings as well, commercial buildings as well, how they how they perform. So, you know, a lot of positive stuff, really good interview. And uh, it was great to get some, some really good insights into um, lots of different aspects of construction from somebody who was pretty much living on the far side of the, the world. So all good. Really enjoyed that one. Fantastic. Good job, Pete. And we'll talk again next time. Cheers, Steve. Look forward to it. And that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices. Please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting. Follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can. You can also listen to the latest episode by saying, Alexa, play Constructive Voices podcast. Here's Constructive Voices. Here's the latest episode. And on our website where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something. Mm-hmm.